You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, If I'm going to glory, I am going to glory in the cross of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Thank God for the cross and all that it means to us. Now take your Bible with me this morning and let's turn to James. James chapter 3, a book of the Bible that I don't often preach from, but such great truths contained in the book of James. James chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 13 and we'll read through verse 18. And I want you to notice the two kinds of wisdom that James says are in this world. Now, the message that I'm going to preach today, and we're going to make like a little mini-series of this, was really prompted by a conversation that I had with Larry Gear, And the Lord really used that to move me in this direction. And Larry was just sharing with me uh, that through all that's been going on and been happening, it's really caused him to reevaluate what really is our priorities in life. And so I begin to think about that and meditate upon that. And, and God just really used that conversation uh, to cause me to begin to think, what, what are the things that are to be the most important to us in life? What are the things that really should take priority? Well, the world has its ideas and uh, the word has its ideas. Let's begin with verse 13. Who is a wise man? We want to be wise, don't we? Who then is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or the way he lives his life, his works with meekness of wisdom. So wisdom and knowledge mentioned there. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and Lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So here he talks about worldly wisdom. For where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. You think of the wisdom of this world and how it produces envy strife, confusion, and evil work. Now verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above. Two sources of wisdom. One comes from the, from the world, the other comes from the word. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, easy, or gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The two sources of wisdom. One coming from above through the inspiration of Scripture. And the other coming directly from this world. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, how be it we speak wisdom referring to the inspired writers of Scripture. He said, we speak wisdom 
And then he goes on to say, yet not the wisdom of this world. He said, we have a wisdom given to us by God that is not the wisdom that the world operates on. Nor the princes of this world or the elite that come to naught or comes to nothing. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. He takes them in their own craftiness, or they think they are so smart that they can outthink God. Stop and think about what we're experiencing right now with this coronavirus. I want you to understand something. If you follow the news at all, and it's almost impossible not to follow the news because that's the only thing that seems to be being broadcast right now is the coronavirus. The medical community, the elites, the princes of this world have been wrong. The scientists, everyone's saying, we got to listen to the scientists. And if the Bible says there is science that is falsely so-called, the scientists have been wrong. We think of the politicians as the princes of this world, yet the politicians have been wrong. The models that the princes of this world have established, every model that they have put out there has been wrong. Now that's the truth. The medical community, the scientists, the politicians, the models, and then you have your conspiracy theorists. They have been wrong as well. And when you stop and think about this, God said he will take the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of the princes of this world, and he will bring it to naught. He'll bring it to nothing. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise, or those who think they're wise, he's taken the wise in their own craftiness. Really, the wisdom of this world concerning the virus that we're facing has actually made things worse than better. I think that's very obvious. It has destroyed our economy in many ways. It has wrecked havoc in individuals' lives. The the cure, what the princes of this world say is the cure, has actually made things worse. He has taken... the princes of this world and their wisdom and he has brought it to naught. The wisdom of this world is what we would say is a very secular worldview. I thought that I would just uh, take some time and do a little bit of research on what the world says what the world, worldly wisdom, says is important in life. And so I begin to read some articles on this from a secular viewpoint. The first article I came across said five most important things in life. Listen to what they were. Number one, your health. Ben Vincent actually mentioned this 
in his Sunday school. A lot of things been mentioned in Sunday school that I'm going to be mentioning in this service right now. God just kind of put those together. But how concerned we are on health. So they say uh, one of the most important things in life is your health. Second is invest in relationships that you enjoy and that help you feel fulfilled as a person. Develop a positive view of yourself, number three. Number four, live for your purpose, values, and dreams. Number five, pursue the things that make you happy. That's what the world says are the five most important things. Another article said the 12 most important things in life. Number one, heading the list again, was health. Health, family that supports your goals and desires, friends that support your goals and desires, feeling love, fulfilling your purpose and passion in life, taking time for yourself, getting a good education, being successful in business, having a great sex life, personal happiness, reaching one's full potential. Those are the 12 things that this article said will be the most important things in life. There was another one I read. It said, seven ways to focus on what is important in life. Determine what things you value the most in life and pursue them. Number two, decide what commitments are the most important to you. Assess the way you use your time. Get rid of clutter in every area of your life. Spend more time with the people that matter to you. Make time to be alone. Pursue the things that make you happy and fulfilled. Do you notice that the world's wisdom all centers around self? And God's wisdom all centers around him. The wisdom which is from above. These were just a few examples of the humanistic, secular view of life. And how the world sees what is really important. As the children of God, and most of you listening to this message this morning are the children of God. You have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So as one of his children, Proverbs tells us to keep or to guard our hearts with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. It's very easy for us who live in a very secular world to pick up the secular viewpoint of life and to embrace the very things that the world embraces as the most important. Proverbs goes on to say, as he, as a man, thinketh in his heart. What? So is he. You know, there are so many sources of worldly wisdom. It's coming to us every day and from every different direction and it's so easily picked up. The Bible said, be not conformed, pressured. So the pressure to adopt worldly wisdom is real. It's all around us, bombarding us every day. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind in what? In God's wisdom. In the wisdom which is from above. Bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. Is This is how Christ would have us to think. David said, oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. 
What are you embracing today? Are you embracing the wisdom that is of this world? Or are you embracing the wisdom that is from above? What does God tell us in his word are the three most important things in life? Have you ever really stopped to think about that? As I spent some time this week really meditating upon what does God say are the most important things in life, here are the three that I believe heads the list. Number one, to love the Lord with all of your heart. Priority number one. Number two, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number three, again, the words of wise old Solomon. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or bad. Love the Lord with all your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Fear God and keep his commandments. Three of the most important things in life. These should become our priority. So we're going to do a little mini-series in this. Next week is Mother's Day, and I'm going to be speaking to you as mothers on how you really need to instill in your children from a very young age what is to be their priority in life as they grow up. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Teach your children what is the most important thing in life. Teach them to love the Lord with all of their heart. Teach them to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Teach them to fear the Lord and to to keep his commandments. So let's just stop today and pause for a moment and look at priority number one. And we'll probably come back to this a little bit later in our series. But priority number one, to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart. So take your Bible with me and let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. I hope this is a familiar passage to most of you listening here today. Verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him, the Lord Jesus, a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Which, which one takes the position of priority number one? Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, priority number one, with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment so the number one most important priority in your life is for you to love the lord with all your heart i'm reminded of second corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 through verse 15 the apostle paul wrote these words for the love of christ constraineth us now that word constraineth is a word that we don't use today. I've I've really, I don't think I've ever heard it in any conversation whatsoever in my lifetime. But the word constraineth means to compel. The love of Christ compels us. It means to be preoccupied with. The love of Christ preoccupies my life, my mind. It means to press. It's the love of Christ that presses me forward in life. It's the love of Christ that's taken hold of me and controls me. That's what that word constraineth means. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. 
but that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That's the secular worldview. Live unto yourselves. Remember all those uh, thoughts that were put forth as to what's really important in life. That was, a, that was totally the wisdom which is of this world. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That is the biblical view of life. Remember in uh, Revelation chapter 2, I talked about the church at Ephesus and how that church had left their first love. He didn't say they lost their first love. We don't, we, we don't lose our love for the Lord. We leave it. And the way we leave it is by simply getting our focus off of the Lord and putting our focus onto the things of this world. 1 Peter 1.8 says, We of whom having not seen ye loved. Do you love the Lord? Jesus said, I want you to love God. He gives a command. He said, this is the greatest commandment. I want you to love God with all of your heart. How do we fulfill that commandment? Now, I don't believe that God would ever ask us to do something that we are incapable of doing. But really, to love, to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind, is that even possible? This is a principle that I've, I've taught to you over all these years, and that is when we feel that we're incapable of doing something, ask God to help us. And this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will. Is it his will for us to love him with all of our heart? Absolutely. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. So I think one of the first things that we need to do is recognize we do need to love the Lord. That, do, that does need to become priority number one in our lives. And then we ask the Lord uh, to help us to do that. The next thing I believe is really important is that we need to guard our heart. Guard our heart with all diligence. And the thing that really came to my mind is we need to guard our heart against the love of money. And how the love of money can push out of our hearts our love for God. Many of us, let's be honest, we've made money our number one priority in life. It cannot be so. First Peter, excuse me, First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6, very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to begin reading with verse 8 and we'll read through verse 12. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. That was last week's message, was learning to be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Do you really want to go there? For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some having coveted after, they have erred from the faith 
erred from the faith. God's no longer number one priority. They've erred from the faith. They've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, but follow righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of it on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Question. What is your view of money? Have you ever really stopped? I mean, just seriously stopped to think about that. How do I view money? Do you love money? I know most of us say, no, I don't love money more than I love the Lord. But be honest this morning. Do you love money more than you love the Lord? Does money take priority over the Lord in your life? Solomon tells us what the world's view of money is. Listen to this. I mean, he nails it. Now, I know he was inspired. But man, he nails it. Ecclesiastes 10, 19, he said, A feast is made for laughter. Boy, we love getting together and having a feast. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry. Now, I've never been to a party where they're passing out the wine, but we've seen this on TV when they're having a party and the wine's being passed out and being poured and people are drinking. Everyone is smiling and everyone is happy. A feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry. And then he says this, but money answereth all things. Now, that is the world's view. Money answers everything. If I just had enough money, Ben brought this up in Sunday school. What are we doing with the crisis that we're facing? We're throwing money at it. Money answereth all things. Really? Money seems to be on everyone's mind right now. I think the two things that are absolutely controlling the news media and many ways our minds is health and money. Health and money, health and money, health and money, health and money. We wonder what's going to happen to our economy. We see it just crashing. Just yesterday I heard that the economists are telling us that we may soon be approaching 20% unemployment. Well, we have enough to pay our bills. How about our children's education? How about our retirement? What about all of our debts? How are we going to pay our debts? Everybody is concerned about money. Now, there's nothing wrong and there's nothing evil about money. Having money to provide our needs is a necessity. Having money sometimes to buy the things that, that we want is, is wonderful. We need money to carry on the Lord's work. I went to the a mailbox this morning. There was only two tithe checks in the mailbox. So I, I hope everyone's tithing off of Tithely or directly off of the website. But we need money to carry on the Lord's work. So money in and of itself is not bad. But where we go astray is having a wrong view of money, of having a worldly view of money, of putting money as 
number one priority and not putting God in his rightful place. How do we use money? How do we make money? How do we spend our money? What is really important to you? Uh, Last night uh, we were in our new home and uh, there's a few things we still need to transfer out of our old home and one of them is some of the stuff that's still in the freezer. Now we transferred our big chest freezer but we have a refrigerator that still has a lot of items uh, in the freezer and we were wondering where we're going to put them. Our freezer is full. And yet Jesus said, give us this day our what? Daily bread. And yet we live in a day and age where many of us, our refrigerators are full, our freezers are full. Since handling money is a necessary and important part of life, we really all need to develop a world, or excuse me, a biblical a biblical conviction about money based upon the word of God. Only then can we live wisely. Only then can we really please the Lord as we handle our money in the way he would have us to handle it. As you think about money and the priority that it takes in most everyone's life, I think of the words of the Lord Jesus. He said this, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He said, ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now often we say mammon refers to money, and it does. But this is the definition of mammon. Listen, wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. Mammon, let me say it again. Wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. Money can literally become an evil influence in our life. It can become an object of our worship and our devotion. We can never, Christian, we can never allow that to happen. That's why God emphasizes giving because giving protects our heart from the love of money. Jesus often spoke about money in scriptures. And as I spent some time just kind of categorizing the teachings of the Lord Jesus, this is something I found out. You know, he talked more about money than just about anything else. He talked more about money than prayer. We always talk about how prayer needs to have priority in our life. He talked about money more than prayer. He talked about money more than heaven. He talked about money more than hell. Listen to this. He talked about money more than he did salvation. The only other issue in the Bible that's dealt with more than money is prophecy. And prophecy really contains one-third of all the Word of God. Let me just kind of sidestep here for a minute about prophecy. Remember what the Bible said, when you see these things come to pass, know that it is near. It is even at the door. Just a basic, just a basic knowledge of Bible prophecy will tell you that we are in the last of the last days. God is setting the pieces in place for his return. These are very, very exciting times. A fellow stopped me this week and uh, he's one of these uh, conspiracy theorists kind of guys. And he said to me, he said, you know what's happening? Here's what's happening. Uh, he said, it's, uh, it, the government is going to come out with a vaccine. And within that vaccine is going to be the mark of the beast. 
And there's going to be a, a hidden chip that's in that. And everyone's going to be forced to take this vaccine. And that's, that's going to be the mark. And he said, he said, Pastor, you need to warn your people not to take the vaccine. And I stopped him for a minute. I said, wait a minute. The mark of the beast doesn't happen until the middle of the tribulation period when Antichrist stands in the temple of God showing himself that he is God and demands the worship of the people and then forces them to take his mark in order to buy or to sell. See, this, this, this man was so wrapped up in his conspiracy theory because he didn't know the word of God. He didn't know the Bible. He said, really? That's when it's going to happen? And then I looked at him and said, listen, if you're a believer, you're not even going to be here, so you don't ever even have to worry about ever taking the mark of the beast. But the only other issue that was addressed, more than prophecy, was money. You say, why is that? Because Jesus knew that money can easily become the number one priority and dethrone him from our lives. Listen, we'll never go wrong by listening to the counsel of Scripture when it comes to how we're to handle our money. It's even better than Dave Ramsey. Now, I appreciate Dave Ramsey. A lot of what he uses are biblical principles. But I'll tell you what, we really need to get back to what God's view of money is, not the world's. Ecclesiastes, verse 10 and verse 19, again, a feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. That's what the world says, but that's not true. I believe the key word that describes the world's perspective on money is accumulation. The world is doing everything it can do to accumulate as much money as possible. Now, we're really concerned right now about this unemployment that's being generously given out by the federal government, where people are actually getting paid more money not to work than they would be paid if they were working. And so we want to get our economy back up and running, and yet here are all of these people that are making more money by sitting home. Are we ever going to be able to get them back into the workforce? Not if they have a worldly perspective and view of money. Money answereth all things. So why should I go back to work and make less money than I can make staying home? The accumulation of money is, 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 is what the world says you need to do. That is how the world thinks. That is how carnal Christians think. That's why Jesus said these words, Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. I remember looking up the dictionary definition of a Christian one time, and this is what it says. A Christian... This is the dictionary. A Christian is one who follows the teachings of Jesus. I wonder how many of us are Christians. Now I know you may be a believer, you may have trusted Christ as your Savior, but are you a Christian according to that definition? Let's strictly apply that now to to money. Are you a Christian in the area of your finances? 
Do you follow the teachings of Christ? Do you follow the teachings of Scripture as it applies to money? Listen to the words of Solomon. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 through verse 9. He said, remove far from me vanity and lies. Get, get the world's wisdom out of my mind. Get, get those lies out of here. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee. We see that happen all around us. To the rich, to the wealthy. They don't need the Lord. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Give me neither poverty or riches. Is that your view of life? Is that your view of money? The world's view is all about getting, spending, saving, investing. The world's goal is to accumulate as much as I possibly can for my present happiness and to keep it as much as possible for future comfort and ease. The world's focus is self-interest, the fulfillment of my personal desires and needs, pleasure and security. You all know that? That's, that's the world? The world's objective is once I have a sufficient amount of money obtained and invested and kept, then I need to protect it. Boy, we have really seen how things can change in just a short time. Ecclesiastes 5.13 says, There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun. Some said, I've seen something It's bad. It's awful. It's terrible. It's a sore. It's a sore evil that I have seen under the sun. <laughs> and then he says what it is, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. So the world's view is accumulation. But Solomon said, as, as I watch people accumulate more and more wealth, I see it as a sore evil, and it's been kept to their own hurt. The worldly carnal view of money promises you happiness and financial security if you accumulate enough abundance. But listen again to the words of the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not, here's the word, in the abundance. The world says it's about abundance. Jesus said, Listen, a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things, mammon, which he possesseth. Now maybe you're listening to me today and You've achieved financial success. There's nothing wrong with that if your priority is still the Lord's number one. But if you have achieved financial success, and that has been your priority, and the Lord is not number one in your life, you have discovered that the promises of this world are empty. He has brought it to naught. The Bible says the heart of man is never satisfied. The world teaches accumulation and abundance. And yet it never satisfies. 
I remember watching Shark Tank the other night. I think most of you know what Shark Tank is. And Mr. Wonderful was saying this. Listen, it's all about money. 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 And a lot of us are entertained by Shark Tank. And I'll say it is quite entertaining. And, and uh, even a lot of Christians have said to me, I've learned so many principles on business from watching Shark Tank. But I'm here to tell you that is the world's philosophy when Mr. Wonderful, who's not wonderful at all, says it's all about money, money, money. That is not what life is about. The heart of man is never satisfied. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drowned men in destruction and perdition. James goes on to say, chapter 5, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your misery that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and your silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped accumulation. You have heaped treasures together for the last days. And then he says this, listen closely. He said, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and are wanton. It's left you empty. That is exactly where having the wrong priority in life will take you. It will leave you empty. Some of the richest people in the world are the most miserable and the most unhappy. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some having coveted after have erred from the faith, pierced, themselves through with many sorrows, foolish, hurtful lust, drowning men in destruction, the love of money, the root of all evil. I'm almost finished. Hang in there with me, church. Modern versions of the Bible, I've been asked many times why I'm a believer in the good old King James Bible. Here's one of them. Modern versions of the Bible translate this verse as follows. The love of money is the root of all forms of evil. Not the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all types of evil. And you stop and think of those different translations they're not accurate the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after what is the love of money the love of money in all of its different forms and and money can take different forms there was a time when salt was used as money it says while some having coveted after what makes money evil it's the coveting after it 
that makes it evil. It's not evil in and of itself. It's the coveting after it that makes it evil. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content. Again, last week's message, be content with such things as you have. Why do we do evil? Stop and think about it. Why do we do evil in our lives? Think of all the evil that you've done. Why have we done evil? It's because we have not been content with the things that the Lord has given to us. We're not happy with our present situation. We don't like what's happening. We become discontent. We covet, we lust, and then we do something evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be, what? Content. The Apostle Paul said, I had not known sin. But by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Every one of us who are listening to this message today are tempted and have been tempted to make the love of money number one priority in our lives instead of putting the Lord in his rightful place. The worldly, carnal view of money promises you happiness, but it'll leave you empty. It promises you financial security, but the Bible said it can make itself wings as eagles, and it can fly away. Accumulation and abundance is the world's view. That is not God's view. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly, certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle towards heaven. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into a bag with holes. As I wrap up this message, we're going to be playing an invitation song. And as we play this invitation song, we're going to do that right now. I want you to think about this. What do we have in life that cannot be taken away from us just like that? We can lose our health just like that. If there's one thing that this coronavirus has taught us, that things can change overnight. Not only change in our own personal lives, but change in our nation and in the world. You can lose your health. You can lose your wealth. You can lose your family. You can lose your possessions. Ask Job. In one day, he lost it all. But the very one thing Please listen to me here. The one thing that you cannot lose. The one thing that will never be taken away from you is your salvation. You will always, you will always have that. You will always have that eternal life to hold on to. Let's all just bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord right now in our respective places. If you can get on your knees before the Lord, I'm going to ask you to get on your knees right now.
Maybe the chair that you're sitting in or maybe you're sitting in a couch. Maybe you're by the edge of your bed and you want to make your bed your altar. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, the Lord has never been number one in your life. Why don't you make him number one right now? For whosoever shall call upon the Lord, make him number one, shall be saved. Would you trust him? Would you believe that he loved you enough that he came to this old sinful world and died on an old rugged cross and shed his blood, that blood that washes whiter than snow, that blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that he shed his precious blood so you could have your sin forgiven and you could be given salvation, eternal life, the only thing that can never be lost in this life. Maybe you're here listening to this message this morning and you'd say, you know what, I have made other things. Maybe it hasn't even been money. Maybe it's been other things. Mammon includes many things. But you've made mammon. You've made other things the priority in your life. And the Lord has not been number one. Would you right now just open your heart and ask him to come back sit on the throne of your heart and of your life and be your Lord. I know he's your Savior, but that he would be your Lord today. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.